Welcome to Play on K, the Korean drama podcast with Emily and Raquel. And this is a show where we take a K-drama, we watch it four episodes at a time, and then we get together here every week to talk about it. Yeah, this week we watched episodes five through eight of The Guest. Nailed it. <laughs> Look um, at us. I'll, I'll probably edit out how slow it took me to like how many pauses <laughs> were involved in saying that, but I didn't mess up. I just took my time. <laughs> Professional. <laughs> I love to see it. Heck yeah. Um, do you want to do any, like... Because we, we've introduced that we're watching The Guest, and sometimes it feels weird to do the, like, what have you done this week? Um, mm. do, you want, do you have anything you did this week? I, <laughs> it always feels weird to do these now because we're so far ahead of schedule. Mm-hmm. It feels insincere. Um, it is February 26th <laughs> in recording time <laughs> for some context. And not really. It's been a slow week. We've had a lot of snow again, mm-hmm. which is frustrating to me. Last I checked, it was snowing outside. But it doesn't stick much around here. Since we're right on the ocean, there's so much salt in the air that it melts really quickly. So it's just been a long, snowy winter. And I'm (sighs) done with it. And I'm, what, 29 weeks pregnant? That's crazy. There is a part of me that feels kind of glad that you're pregnant during winter because, like, you can kind of cozy down versus, like, can you imagine just being, like, hot and having to do, God, humidity? No. (laughs) It was part of our weird plan. We kind of tried (laughs) to time when we wanted to have our baby because we wanted them to have a late spring birthday. So we kind of planned it out, and I think I started having hot flashes really bad during the first trimester and I was like this is optimal I'm so glad it's November and not mid-June I would have been miserable and even still I think I'm just a person I don't really run hot but once I get up to temperature I retain (laughs) heat really well I don't know how to put it But uh, I'm like a little furnace when I'm bundled up. And so I would have been so miserable with a summer pregnancy. Yeah, I can't even imagine. My mom, so I was born in July and my older brother was born in September. So she was like late into pregnancy for both of us in the summer. And I remember thinking how rough that sounds i don't know i guess she loves summer like she would prefer to be hot over cold so i think it never really got to her she just her biggest memory is always i ate a lot of watermelon and (laughs) that was like her biggest craving the whole time but um whenever i think about it and and just feeling very pregnant i just feel like it would be so much harder to be very pregnant in summer I have no yeah. clue what pregnancy feels like, but I'm I'm really glad to hear that you guys planned it and that it did work out for the best. Like, pregnancy is going to be rough pretty much either way, but at least you don't have mm-hmm. to be hot and pregnant. Yeah. 
It's yeah. I I know it's different for everybody, but I'm definitely a person that runs hot, I think. Me too. So I'm like sweating just thinking about it right now. Just thinking about <laughs> a summer pregnancy is so miserable. And I would guess it's like 60 degrees in my house right now. I'm like, oh, I'm getting too warm just in my sweater. <laughs> just thinking about the heat. Could not have done it. Kudos to your mom. Yeah. Yep, she killed it. She killed it. Um, yeah. Yeah, that sounds... I don't know. That sounds rough. The snow sounds rough. Uh, You've had, Mm -hmm. in Japan, uh, come on a journey with us as we post this episode in like (laughs) a month and a half, in like six weeks. Uh, Remember when Texas was freezing over? Um, Mm Because Aramo was doing really similar stuff. It wasn't nearly as as rough. Texas has been through it. Um, And I hope if we have any listeners in Texas that you have been safe and that things have recovered in the six weeks since we talked about it now and uh when we post the episode i hope things are good but yeah aramo has been through a bit of it and had power outages and lots of snow and stuff we yeah my house mostly didn't lose power we had flickers of power outages but the rest of the town the town's really wide. It takes like 40 minutes to get from one end of Aramo to the other just because it's very rural. So most of the outskirts of Aramo had power outages just for a day. But obviously, as Texans can attest to, power outages in the dead of winter are not a good thing. Very dangerous. But I think Aramo is a lot more equipped for it. We had severe winds that day up to like 100 miles an hour so it was more like a winter typhoon I think but yeah by the next day they had workers on every power line and everything was back up and running Aramos quite equipped for heavy winter winds we have so much wind here (laughs) so we're we're lucky we're ready for it yeah that's good I'm glad but you had a bit of stormy weather. A little bit. I was in New Mexico, and we got a pretty good amount of snow the same weekend that Texas had its first, like, big, like, this the cold snap started. Like, we're not far from Texas. We're neighbors. Um, and so we got the weather, but we, I mean, it's been really manageable. Um, it's just been hard for people who aren't from Utah. Like, I say it's manageable because I am from a really snowy mountain area. When I was a Mm -hmm. kid, we got slammed with winter. Um, I feel like the last couple winters haven't been so bad. What's up, climate change? You're breaking my heart. Oh, today I was on Spotify, and um, I have subscribed to, but not listened to yet, because I'm a binge listener for podcasts. I'm subscribed to Brene Brown's new podcast, Unlocking Us. And today Ooh. I got a little pop-up of who she interviewed this week. It was um, the two coaches from Ted Lasso, so Jason Sudeikis. <gasps> and then I, shoot, I do not know Coach Beard, the actor who plays Coach Beard. I don't know his name. I'm the worst. Me neither. Oh no. Uh, but she interviewed both of them. 
And now I'm feeling even more excited to listen to her podcast. Yeah, I can't believe... Is that her second podcast or her third? Um, I think it's her only podcast that she does, maybe? But she does a lot of... Te- does she have a bunch of podcasts? Uh-huh. Because I yeah, listened I don't know. to one of them. She interviewed Barack Obama a couple weeks ago. Oh. And it was so good. Shoot, that would be really good. Oh my god. But she always, on that podcast, tells you to listen to her other podcast. And I'm like, okay, Brene Brown just like getting on that podcast game, putting the rest of us out of business. I know, right? If, if Brene Brown has a podcast, do any of us even need to put our voices out into the world? I'm sure she would no. say yes, because she's a well-developed human, but like... who thinks that people should be included and stuff but i'm a little bit like i don't know she does the best of the best she does the best talking about people and things so Mm -hmm. it looks like unlocking us according to me is her second podcast i think it might be older than the one i listen to which is dare to lead oh but it looks like she only has two podcasts so that's that's a good number. Brene, please stop. That's plenty of podcasts. Save some for the rest of us. <laughs> but also, if you're listening to us right now um, and you've never heard of Brene Brown, what? Or um, you've never... <laughs> Are you like... even a 40-year-old woman if you haven't <laughs> fallen in love with Brene Brown? <laughs> um, she's amazing. She's inspirational. It, like... If you don't want to commit to a podcast, she also has a couple TED Talks, which is kind of how she started out. And then she's got a special on Netflix that Emily and I watched together, and it was very good and a little bit life-changing. Maybe I just need to, like, watch that every day. Uh-huh. <laughs> As I start, like, any new projects, I'm just going to watch that so that I never feel afraid. Or if I do feel afraid, it's okay. Keep going. Yeah, was it Daring Greatly? Was that... I think so. The special that we watched, and we watched it with our D&D friends. <laughs> yeah, we were like, hey, do you guys want to watch a movie with us? It's gonna be inspirational. <laughs> oh, what a weird choice for a D&D <laughs> movie night. <laughs> it was so good, though. Like, I joke about this being for middle-aged women or, you know, women that are... 40 is not nearly middle-aged. It's, like, quarter-aged nowadays. Yeah. But, uh, she's for everyone, okay? We can all be better people if we listen to Brene Brown and absorb her words. Yep. She does real good. She does real good. Oh. Yeah. Good recommendation there. Hey, thanks. I'm excited. A recommendation that I haven't seen. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the podcast, uh, I, the, 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 something us, I already forgot it. Unlocking us. Unlocking us. Start there. Yeah. And then go to Dare to Lead. And then go to all of her TED Talks. Or reverse. It Mm -hmm. honestly doesn't matter. I've also read her audiobooks. I've heard, listened to her (laughs) audiobooks. They are very good. I need to get on that. I need to, I feel like... I would definitely probably not read one of her books, not because I don't think that that it would be worth it, but because I only sometimes read, like, once every four years or so. I pick one book. Mm -hmm. 
and usually it's a work of fiction. Fair. But listening... Mine's usually romantic fiction, which I think <laughs> I won't judge myself for. I won't demean that. I think are the best books. That's what I wanted to say. Heck yeah, heck yeah. Um, I haven't read romantic fiction in a really long time. I've been reading a lot of horror fiction, you know, just Ooh. like... Uh, I think I talked about what I started reading a couple weeks ago, and I haven't been great about keeping up with it. I need to get back on it before I forget what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, the last book that I also loved was kind of horror-ish. American Gods was, like, one of the last books I read a couple years ago, and it's awesome. It's really, really, really good. If you like mm. fantasy and kind of, like, darker themes. I've never picked it up. I have it in my library because my sister's a book bookaholic. Yeah. Bookaholic? She, she's big time read. Big time read. <laughs> <laughs> so it's in there. It's waiting for me. We share it Kindle and Audible libraries. But yeah, that one's so long and so dark that neither she nor my dad, who are like the big book lovers in my family, have finished it. So I kind of wrote it off. I know that's so dumb. (laughs) (laughs) I like binge read that book. I like couldn't put it down. But I think that it's a, it kind of ticked a lot of my boxes for reading. So Mm, that's fair. I feel like mine are romance or self-help. Those are my, my go-to books. I cannot stop reading self-help books. (laughs) Freaking love them. Oh, I should. I should read more self-help books. I think I could really use that life knowledge that I just, like, didn't come equipped with and also am terrible about seeking out. Oof. I've got, I've got two whenever you're ready. My top two self-help books of all time. Tell me now. Okay, write them down. Okay. Get your pen and paper out. Uh, I guess the first is The Defining Decade by Meg oh. J. You got that for me for Christmas. Oh, dang. Um, Time and, to pick it up. Yeah, I read the first third of it, and then I started to panic because I felt like I had already wasted my defining decade, and it was when I was only halfway through it. So, <laughs> Yeah, that's not the point. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, please use this decade, and I was like, ooh, I don't... I, ooh. <laughs> I don't know You're how. You're not done with the decade. You've got plenty of time. Got two more years in this one, in this decade. Mm-hmm. You've still got time. Start with that one. Uh, if you're not interested in what to do with your 20s, like Raquel said, that one can be a little intimidating because it makes it feel like there's a clock put on you, which is not supposed to. I think she's very good about being like, your life doesn't end when you hit 30. That's not the point of this book. But here are some habits that you can introduce in your 20s that will help prepare you for your 30s. But a more widely, I don't know, a book with a wider audience perhaps is Barking Up the Wrong Tree by Eric Barker. And that one might even be my favorite. I'm so thrilled with the title and the name of the author that I would read it just because (laughs) he really knows how to market himself. He knows uh-huh. where he needs to be, uh, you know, like, what what he needs to be doing to utilize his last name to the best of his ability. I think it's based on his blog of the same name. 
Mm. And he was like, this was just optimal. I will use it for everything all the time. Why would I change? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you're not wrong. (laughs) Okay. Oh, I love that book. I will definitely... I'll see if... um, if they have the audiobook on the app that I use. Yeah. I think I got the audiobook for free when I bought the book and I switched back and forth. Mm. But also now I try and rent books from the library online. So start with Overdrive. They <laughs> might have it. They they maybe probably have it. At your local library. Yeah. Yeah. Support. <laughs> What a good book podcast. Yeah, so thanks for listening to our book podcast. It's been 20 minutes. <laughs> Someday we're going to be like our freaking idols at My Favorite Murder, and we'll just talk about anything we want for a straight up hour and a half. And then do the podcast. <laughs> and um, then do the podcast. <laughs> Iconic. Oh, so good. Yeah. Uh, I actually hope that that was quality content. I really do, because I think I'll leave most of it in there. Uh, But that means we've got a lot of podcasting to do in a little bit of time. That's okay. (laughs) These four episodes of The Guest, I feel like it really hit hard that they're very episodic. Yeah. They're leaning a lot more into the one ghost at a time gets fixed every episode, where I think... That's that feels very Western style to me mm-hmm. of like uh, a crime show or a ghost show where it's like we have 50 seasons of this. So every episode is just going to be a different ghost. And these overarching storylines that happen with the main characters are very much in the background. Whereas I think with most K-dramas that we've seen by episode eight, they've kind of dropped off of the episodic storylines and leaned a lot more into what's happening with the main characters this one hasn't and it feels off I agree that like it hasn't dropped off but I think that they're doing a pretty good job tying together the main storyline with the like episodic um build of like taking on a ghost at a time like I think it was interesting how they tried to kind of um have the main character want to force his way into confronting the bad guy Mm. and they even they made a whole bunch of steps to kind of try and further introduce that okay so we know the bad guy has jumped like they found the body of the priest and we're going after him or her as him um but all of a sudden it's like no 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 it's not that simple plus if you really want to help people he hasn't stopped possessing other people so um you're gonna have to learn more about like where he's at and what he's doing through these little ghost things because uh, you now are kind of out of leads. Like, you ran out of leads when he jumped, and it turns out he jumped 20 years ago. So you've been chasing the wrong lead anyway. Um, so I think it's kind of cool that they have it set up like that. But, yeah, uh, I don't know. It's kind of like the world's darkest Ghostbusters, so. Yeah. That's fair. 
I don't know. It just feels like they haven't gotten anywhere closer to catching Park Ildu or being any more prepared for when they do have to confront him. You know, it's going to be pretty much impossible. They haven't told you that much. They're like, okay, (laughs) if he possesses someone for long enough, then he's immune to all of the things that you could possibly... Uh um, I do want to do a called shot right here. Before I forget, I want to do the called shot. This could be terrible. This could be the worst (laughs) prediction corner ever. I have a prediction. Okay. I think that the assemblywoman is a red herring. I don't think that she's Parker. What? Yeah, I don't think that that's her. I think that she is possessed, but I think it's kind of like she's been possessed long enough that she kind of has that same thing where she um, is immune to, for the most part, she's immune to the effects of the cross and she can go to church and everything. I just think that she's not Park Ildu. I think that Park Ildu is the other priest, the older one. What? Oh, that'd be such a cool shot. I hope you get that. Because <laughs> he is also involved with the helping hands thing, the sharing hands thing that uh-huh. they've kind of tracked to being the core issue. He is showing a couple of signs of not being okay, and it can kind of be passed off as maybe he just did too many exorcisms and he's kind of been chipped away and he's heartbroken over the loss of one of his students, essentially. And they just found his body after he, 20 years after he committed a terrible crime because he was possessed and the priest should have known. You know, there's a lot of setup for why he could not be okay. And, I mean, to the credit of, if I'm wrong... Um, I'm very clearly wrong because he has been helping them in little ways. But I don't know. That's what makes me think you're right. Is like that scene where he shows up at the park when they're trying to confront the assemblywoman, and he's like, "Definitely, it's her, hundred yeah. percent." Here's here's some some fun facts about very strong demons and why it's definitely her. Is like, yeah. oh my god, if Raquel's right, oh, they're trying to lead us astray. Wild. Mm-mm. Can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> I can. Way too much. I'm imagining all of this now, and I'm going to be so let down if it's not him. Yeah, yeah. If he just, like, dies or something at some point. Ugh. Um, But yeah, like, he's drinking, and he is sad, and he is being kind of suspiciously helpful and definite signs of possession yeah those are if you if you or anybody you know (laughs) is drinking and sad and helpful priest (laughs) and and being helpful to people (laughs) get that exorcist in there but maybe not matthew i'm so worried about father cheekbones going rogue and just doing exorcisms like the freaking The freaking child that he's like, oh, your daughter's possessed and I'm about to do an exorcism on her. And the mom's screaming, like, don't do that. I was like, oh, boy, I'm pretty sure you need consent to do an exorcism. You're making me real nervous. Yeah. And, like, the grandma seemed fine with it, but the mom wasn't. And then 
not only do you need consent probably from the direct guardian, so like the mom, but I don't know, it's kind of one of those things where he you can pass it off as him being just like so concerned about the child that he couldn't help himself, but still uh-huh. it's terrifying because I like his character so much more after these four episodes and yeah, I'm worried. I am scared for him. Yeah. It's very similar to what they did in the first four episodes with Detective Kong and her kind of losing credibility in her workplace. Except with her, it seemed like she'd always been kind of a rogue detective and she was always a little bit on the on the review panel of being like, you're a bit much at times and you need to tone it down. So when she goes rogue, it's not as surprising yeah, but Father Cheekbones seems like he's always been a good boy, or at least he's been protected by Father Han, the the priest who died, and so it's he's never really had problems, and now he's just doing exorcisms on every other person he sees, and everyone's like, hey, you need to stop doing exorcisms, you're gonna lose your priest collar. <laughs> I don't know how it works. <laughs> your your ID will revoke your priesthood? Yeah, I don't really know how that works. Does yeah. God take away your priesthood? Or is it just the religion and God's still your boy? Because it oh. seems like the point would be that God's the one helping out so much with the exorcisms. I don't know God. I haven't talked to him in a minute. So I don't really know how he involves himself in all this. Yeah, it's so hard because it almost feels like you'll lose your priesthood, but that feels really bureaucratic, like the organized religion. Mm -hmm. But if God is still on your side and he still thinks that you're doing the right thing, then he'll probably help you exercise people, right? Because like that's who's who's helping you, I, or I guess it's the angels that he's calling on, but still, they work for God. So Yeah, so God's aware of what you're doing and still giving you your powers. So it seems like he's okay with all of this. Yeah. I use, I use he loosely. I don't know. Should we spiral into how I feel about <laughs> religion? <laughs> it's gonna be a mess. They, um, they, yeah, he, they... She, whoever God is for you, um, Father Cheekbones. <laughs> I don't know. I, as long as he's still your bro, I guess you're good. I'm just worried because I like, does God believe in bureaucracy? I don't know. Seems <laughs> like it. Seems like, it. at least in the Catholic Church, it's all good. Yeah, he likes it there. I think he's, he likes it in, I mean, I was raised in the LDS church. And so everyone tells me that he's he he helped organize it, you know? He he he's behind a lot of that. So mm. maybe it's like you cross them, you cross him. I don't know. That makes sense. I feel like that's what they're trying to go for. Yeah. Like the top top dogs are telling you to stop doing something. That means they're a little bit closer to God. Yeah. And they're they're speaking on his behalf. That's my impression. <laughs> Honestly, I have no idea what's going on. It just is hard to watch him slam across against 
the forehead of a small child and have her scream and have her mother be like, you're not allowed to do that. And, And be like, it is my sacred duty. I do have to do this. Like, Father G. Bones, I don't know if that's how that works. I think I you should ask her what she's okay with. <laughs> like, can I please exercise your child? If not, she might kill you. I mean, you can use some guilt tactics, I'm sure. Like, yeah. she might die, you might die, your mom might die. Um, We've seen the rocks under her bed. Yeah. This is getting spooky. Uh, can I please exercise her? Holy cow. I i don't know if I've ever seen something as viscerally upsetting as watching her dad die by giant rock. That was brutal. And mm-hmm. to, like, to find out that it was her, I think you're kind of assuming it was yeah. her. They kind of built up to that. But dang, just a boulder chucked off a balcony. Not even her as in like possessed her but her as in seeing someone who's possessed and being ready to pop that balloon oh my god (laughs) hey they said it not me (laughs) i mean i also said it so (laughs) oh dark real dark this (laughs) child actress is incredible i saw that she's acted in like four three or four different things by now I think three of them were horror and one of them was a show called Mother it might have been a movie I might be wrong but she got an award for it and I'm like okay okay child I think I know what you're talking about because I think I have seen it on Vicky and it's one of the highest rated like it's way up there and it's there's a reason for it, and it is that child. No, I, I can't put she's that all on her shoulders. But Specifically. But she's incredible, and kudos to her for making this this episode, and I assume the next four episodes, very, very spooky. <laughs> she's doing such a good job. <laughs> she's, she's amazing. Um. I hope that things come out okay for her in the end, but also it kind of feels like the only time things come out okay is if you're a workplace bully and then you get to survive. But then, like, the mom who has a hard-of-hearing child who speaks up about the loss of her best friend in high school for the first time in 20 years, go, we're going to go ahead and kill her, but if you're a workplace bully, you'll survive. <laughs> the cops are there for you. I'm bitter. You can were you tell? stabbed in the neck five hours ago, and you're still going. Yep. Ugh. I just really wanted things to be okay, and I know that's not what this show is about. Like, it's dark. <laughs> Bad things are happening. I get it. I just, I thought, okay, well, they're on their way, so they'll get there in time to save mm-hmm. the mother, um, and they didn't. And it, I just felt really bad because I think she did the right thing and I hate when the right thing gets punished. So. Yeah. There's too many bad things happening to good people. Yeah. And occasionally it's bad things happening to bad people. But at the same time, ugh, it's just hard to watch when, yeah, the good guys are the ones getting pummeled to death or yep. stabbed or whatever and there's just not like a whole lot of like things are going to be even remotely okay that they're giving us and i like i said i get it that's not what it's about necessarily but i also want to have a modicum of hope 
and it just kind of feels yeah. like they're not giving any of it. They're not giving any hope. Only bad things are happening, really. <laughs> it's a bit hopeless at this point. Oh, watching a hard-of-hearing high school student be beat to death by a woman who's not even possessed. They're straight up like, she's just mean. Yeah, she's like, just a terrible person who doesn't have consequences, so... What? <laughs> You're telling me there are people in this world who just grow up to be that? And now she's an assemblywoman? Great. Great. Oh, I can't. Yeah, it's rough. Um, When she was... Okay, a couple of things. There's a couple... I need a couple of things explained to me like I'm a dum-dum. Like, just an absolute potato. This is gonna be great. <laughs> <laughs> the first thing is, I thought in the first four episodes that it said that Detective Kong was a mom and divorced. Oh, she was joking. Who was that kid she was talking to at this convenience store? Oh, she said it was like the store owner's kid. Oh. Yeah. So she was pulling his leg and being like, if you're not going to tell me about your life, I'll tell you all these lies about my life. And he's like, shut up. And then oh. she goes and plays with the store owner's kid. And she's like, this is as close as I'll ever have to a family. Okay. Well, I missed that part. I guess I had I got like... you. One yes. for one. Here we yes. go. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, I've learned that. So um, that really clears up when she was like, I have no family. And I was like, what about your kid? <laughs> <laughs> We've never seen her again, so it does seem like you're a pretty bad parent. Yeah. But... Does she live with her dad? Or <laughs> um... Yes, she does. Her real dad. And her <laughs> and mom. her real mom. <laughs> okay, uh, the second thing that I need explained to me. Shoot, I might have lost it. Oh, thank God. I was so nervous. Yeah. If it comes back up, I'll ask you. <laughs> and I'll probably get it wrong. We'll keep that record at one for one. <laughs> oh, I remembered. Um, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Sorry, sorry. Um, so, what was... Was Assembly Person Park... Woman. Assembly Woman Park. A teenager when she was beating the other teenager to death or was she like a I was trying to track exactly like if she was a student who was abusive to students and teachers but it also said at one point that she was on the board of directors I thought or maybe I misread and just like refused to rewind um but she looked like herself um and they hired actors to play the younger version of literally everyone else. <laughs> so my impression was that she was a few years older than the high school students. And her father, like, owns the school. He might be the chair of the board of directors. And maybe she was sitting on the board of directors at the time. Or maybe she joined later. I'm not sure if she ever actually was on the board of directors. I did not follow that very closely either. But her father was, for sure. He was in a position of a lot of power. And so I think she was involved in the stuff going on at the school. But I think she was at least 
a couple years older than the students that she was bullying. Okay. Um, weird that she, like, went to the school to murder a child. Super, yeah. super, super weird. And also, yeah, I couldn't figure it out because she wasn't wearing a uniform and she looked like herself. So it was, like, kind of on the fence. Um, She's definitely older, but like you said, they didn't very well establish what she was trying to get out of her. Yeah. What she was there for. She was I'm just sure like, just tell me. Up. Yeah. I'm sure it'll come up eventually, but at the like right now, I'm just... I can't figure out what she was doing at the school or why she mm-hmm. decided it was time to murder a, a hard of hearing person. Um, yeah, who was also a child. Mm, wow. Mm. Again, not possessed. Just her lifestyle. Yeah, which also it act like they acted like the security guard had seen him. Was she? Po- she wasn't possessed, but. It, like, he draws a picture before he goes to the asylum. Oh, the you're right. So maybe she was possessed. But also, it kind of sounds like she was just a bad person, because that girl went missing seven days before the possession, or, like, before the, at least the cop died. I'm having a really hard yeah. time with this timeline. Yeah. No, because you're right, because it said she got possessed. She went and buried the body, and then they were like, she must have returned a few days later to make sure that it had stayed buried and would not get found. And that's when she saw the priest, and that's when Park Il-Dude switched bodies, because they were like, the body was buried a few days before Father Che died, so the timeline doesn't match up. And they were like, she must have gone back to check on the body. And that's when their eyes met in the forest. But if that's true, then, w- yeah, what about the security guard? When did he see Park Il do? Yeah. And why was he so freaked out that same night? Because I would have thought that he would have been freaked out maybe after he was threatened by, like, a couple days later, you know? Like, say, he gave the statement that he later changed. Uh-huh. And that, it was after that that he kind of lost his mind. Um... If, like, he had an encounter. But at the time, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense that he came downstairs and was like, never talk about this again, but then gave a statement, but then changed his statement. See, my only problem is with the drawing, which I don't know when that happened. Because I think he went upstairs and he was like, hey, what's going on here? And he probably saw a dead body of a student who was beaten to death and was like, what the hell? And then someone in a position much higher than him was like, don't speak about this. And that's what freaked him out. That was my impression. Is like a very, just like, you're going to get fired if you ever talk about this. And he's like, I do like my job. So I yeah. won't report you for murder. And that's but what freaked him out. Like disproportionately wigged out when he came down the stairs, like that same night when the student yeah. was sitting on the stairs. I don't know. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe someone like, maybe she threatened him that night or something. But like, I think it just he was doesn't wigged out at seeing a dead body. Okay. Well, okay. That's I'll not cool. But yeah. Then when did he draw the picture? Because I thought Homegirl was like, I went to see him like two days later, and he was drawn Park Il Do. 
Yeah, so, like, maybe he encountered them, and that's when he changed his statement. I don't know. Just trying to pin down yeah. this crazy timeline. Um, <laughs> also, I'm think I'm still of the opinion that the other priest was in the forest that night, like, the older one, somehow. Ooh. And that he summoned another demon, because that's kind of what he does, right? Is he, like, summons other demons to possess, possess people, and... Maybe that's who's possessing what's her name, Assemblywoman Kong or Park. But <laughs> this, yeah, <laughs> we're too dumb for this show. Yeah. I I hope that it's just all perfectly explained. But yeah, but honestly, maybe it has been so far, and we just can't follow all the clues they've given us. But. Dang, I'm I'm not gonna take the blame for this one. I'll say it's a it's a bit of a puzzle when you can't follow the timeline and you can't read the subtitles fast enough. Yep, it's just who's to say what's going on? Who's really to say? I'm just gonna make predictions and like throw the <laughs> dice, you know? At this point that's what it feels like. It's not really like a prediction based in fact so much as a prediction based in how crazy would it be if this happened? <laughs> mm-hmm. We're just here for the ride, which is cool. Because in the meantime, I really enjoy Assemblywoman Park going crazy on people. I don't understand in the in the days of social media how you can get away with behavior like hers. Mm-mm. You can't. Like, people would talk. She yeah. would not still be an assemblywoman. Uh, that's the most unrealistic part about the show. <laughs> Especially the soup kitchen. There's at least like five employees of the soup kitchen who are like, whoa, she's just throwing pots and pans around. And you're like, and you didn't call a tabloid right after or post on social media like Assemblywoman Park is crazy. Am I right? Not one of you. Not a single one of you. Okay. Weird. Yep. It also feels like even the people that kind of got her, elect- like, if she was bullying a bunch of people, I don't know, I guess it was, like, back in her hometown, but I think you it's just, like, a lot harder to get elected if, like, your constituents think you're a piece of shit, but... Yeah! But I guess we're going with the, uh, she's got the power right now. She's got the power of a demon behind her, so... And she puts on a good face most of the time. Yeah. Um, worth mentioning that, uh, she was also in the last drama, that actress was in the last drama we watched, which is cool. Right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it when that happens. I feel like we've been on kind of a roll with keeping one actor per drama. Yeah. From one drama to the next. Carrying over. I love it. Yeah. Good for us. Yeah. And it's cool seeing her range, because she's a very different person in this than she was in that one. And I love yeah. that as well. Like, getting to see the actors excel at acting, because it's like, wow, you were convincing in both roles. Uh-huh. So exciting. Good for you. Yeah. Oof. Even with all the darkness, and it got pretty dark in these episodes... I'm surprised at their ability to keep the comedy coming. Oh my gosh, right? I was like, we've watched, this is our second heavy drama in a row, but this one is so much more surprising somehow, because it's heavy in such a different way. So it's so much more surprising when they drop a little nugget of humor and you're just like, oh, okay, well, surprisingly well-timed. Uh-huh. And well done. 
Um, yeah. I was losing my shit when the shaman friend was threatening to crash the car. That was the funniest <gasps> thing I've ever seen. That's the only time I wrote down. I was like, I honestly, I remember laughing. I don't have any other examples except that scene because I wrote it down because it was so funny. It was so good because it was just so well played with both of them. Uh-huh. <laughs> At first, the shaman is playing the I'll kill us both, I don't care game. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then, and then uh, Hua Pyong is like, oh, no, no, you want to play the game? No one hates me more than me. Let's play this game. <laughs> Crash the car. Crash the car. <laughs> it's so good. And then, real subtle comedy, they flash to the next scene, and you can see the back of Hua Pyong's jacket says eccentric behavior on the back. <laughs> it's just a perfect little wink to, like, Hua Pyong is an insane person, yeah. and we should not trust him. No, we we kind of love him in a weird way, but we do not trust him. We do not trust this man. Remember this moment. It's really sweet how good with kids he is, and it makes me sad and nervous. <laughs> it's sad that he's going to die at the end like everybody. Yeah, when you kind of look at him and you're like, you know, I agree with your grandpa, you'd make a really good dad. And then he's like, I'm out of my mind and I'm going to die soon. <laughs> If I'm not in jail by the end of this show, which seems inevitable, <laughs> then I will be dead. Papyang, come on. You would make such a good father, though. Yeah. Just be normal for, like, two minutes, bud. You've got a sad girl who seems, like, weirdly interested in you occasionally when people <laughs> tell her to be. When other people are talking about you to her. <laughs> Actually, just, like, her buddy cop is talking about you to her she almost seems like she's like yeah i'm s- like this is like a it's not a relationship but it's the most commitment anyone's getting out of me so uh-huh. that's kind of cute i definitely ship it yeah. and i really enjoy maybe because the love triangle is one of my least favorite tropes i know that that's controversial and most people enjoy it but for me, personally, no, hate a love triangle. And they're like, we're going to get as far away from a love triangle as we can get. Father Cheekbones hates women. He... <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think he actually does. But he's no. so willing to protect the innocent that he's like, this detective cannot be on our team. She is not allowed. No girl's allowed. She's not. No. <laughs> You can't be on our team. I'm going to say the most upsetting things I can so that she doesn't even want to be on our team. Like, I I know I'm the dick here. That's the purpose of what I'm saying right now. That is the entire point. Thank you. Thank you for understanding. (laughs) Fire cheekbones! Stop being mean to her! Just, like, let her make her own decisions. I know that you are worried and you're sad because you feel responsible for her mother's death. But, like, hey, what if she... Yeah. (gasps) (laughs) I don't think he's capable I I don't really know what's going on with that crazy guy that wild (laughs) those couple wild and crazy guys trapped inside of Huapyong but yeah uh, I just I guess where I'm at with it is like I get a little bit tired with the like I will protect you 
trope to a certain extent i think it's nice that he wants to make sure she survives everything and he doesn't think that she should be involved because he doesn't care if he dies and he doesn't care if hua pyong dies <laughs> um but he somehow does care if she dies but i also think that it reaches a point where she is allowed to make her own decisions and she could actually help them on the like legal cop work side of things because you are still functioning within the real world with real world rules so i don't know let her in she'd be a great team member and she has told you so many times that she's willing to do what you guys are willing to do which is sacrifice everything for the sake of this fighting this demon so i'm pretty sure she's in bud like shut up about it Whatever, man. Whatever, cheekbones. <laughs> I do love that their budding friendship a little bit, the Hua Pyong and Father Cheekbones. Um, right? That's pretty good. They do a really good job in this show of pairing them off. I think there was even a scene, I can't name it, obviously, but Father Cheekbones and Detective Kong go into something together, and I was like, that's an unexpected pairing but they were just the first ones to arrive. And I was like, I feel like this show has done such a good job of being like, Hua Pyong and Detective Kong go off together a lot. Like, they're often doing their stuff, and Hua Pyong and Cheekbones are often paired off together. They're not going to call Detective Kong in. And now we've even got a couple scenes here and there with Father Cheekbones and Detective Kong. I think that's so cool in just a three-person friendship to be like, there is a balance there. It is maybe <laughs> maybe just as an adult, that's something that I struggle with personally, is being in a three-person friendship where all the friendships seem equal. It's so much easier to be like, we both enjoy hanging out with Hua Pyeong. We don't hang out together really <laughs> we're not friends but i think they're working towards that maybe that's just what i want it's so funny because that's how i feel about like i don't know that's how i feel about me and you and jason where it's like well obviously like you guys are married so that doesn't make it necessarily friendship you're in love but <laughs> like you guys hang out and then i hang out with you and then i hang out with jason and then we all hang out mm -hmm. friendship it's a perfect balance but if we if you and I met someone as like adults that we were friends with, it would I think it's happened multiple times where you get a friend as an adult and it's weird for me to ever imagine hanging out with them by myself whereas That's we both true. hang out with you together, totally normal, <laughs> very cool. 100%. That's a better example because it's all friendship. I'm over here like, "Well, you're a married couple and I hang out with both of you." <laughs> it's just I mean maybe that's what they're moving towards in this show is being like well these two are maybe someday more romantically involved again that's me projecting because I love <laughs> romance so I'm like get them together guys but maybe they're like that's the key to a balanced three person friendship is that <laughs> two of them have to be in love yep and that's just how you do it that's just how you do it <laughs> what was this rant about um i've 
honestly lost the plot every time I've started talking. (laughs) (laughs) I had a question for you. Okay. I wrote it in my notes, and I just saw it. (laughs) So here we go. We'll throw it back. Falls in your court now. At the beginning of episode seven, they're talking about the high school student and reopening her case. I don't, I think it's a cold case. I think it's still technically open. But the the guy in charge, the policeman who is talking to Detective Kong, says, we've passed the statute of limitations, so it'll be hard for you to investigate Is there a statute of limitations on murder? As far as U.S. law goes, I don't think so. I think that if you murdered someone and you are 90 years old, you still- Because, like, I think of stuff like the Golden State Killer, who they didn't- Who was committing crimes, I want to say, like, in the 70s. Mm. I could be totally wrong on that. But it was, was like, mid-century he was committing crimes- And then they didn't find him until, like, 2012 or something, you know? Um, Yeah. And, or, like, 2013. And so it had been, like, a solid 40 years. Um, And I think that the statute of limitation for, like, some of the crimes he committed were up, but he did kill people. And so when they found him and they tied the DNA evidence back... He still went on trial, and then I am pretty sure is in prison right now for the rest of his life. So as far as U.S. law goes, if there's a statute of limitations on murder, it's much, much longer than 20 years. <laughs> like, significantly longer. It's at least double that, I want to say. But I don't think there is one in the U.S. Maybe in Korea, they're a little bit more forgiving about murder. Or maybe he was trying to frame it as, like, a kidnapping thing, because there might be a statute of limitations on that. Um, That's fair. I really only know that there's, of, like, the statute of limitations on rape, because that's, like, a really upsetting thing. Mm. I just think it's, like, so upsetting that after 25 years, women can't speak out. forget about it. Let it go. Women and men can't speak out about that. Yeah, just... Don't even worry about it. He, they're living their lives now, so. Can't destroy someone's career over that, okay? <laughs> it's, it's been a minute, so. Ew. Yeah. Um, yeah, for murder, though, I feel really, really certain that there isn't one. Let me know if you know law, listeners. <laughs> Especially Korean law, because we are swimming beyond our depths here. Yeah. And yeah, maybe he was talking about, like, this is a kidnapping case. And we're not investigating it anymore. But you'd think once a body is discovered that they would be like, it looks like murder. We've got to reopen this. Clearly not just a runaway kid anymore. Yeah. Like she was a teenager and she uh, passed away as a teenager. Like these are the bones of a teenager. And are we going to choose to cover up these like crushing wounds on the bone or whatever? Yeah, I guess that was the whole point, is that he was like, I'm, I'm working for the assemblywoman now, so anything you say, I will fight against because it is my job to cover this up. So it's just super frustrating to watch. And yeah. you're like, 
You can't use the statute of limitations arguments, sir. This is a murder. Me and Raquel know what we're doing. We've seen <laughs> crime shows. We've watched a crime show before. Every time we talk about any um, Korean drama that has to do with any kind of law or crime, it always makes me so desperately want to talk about um, Korean law with someone who like practices or knows about Korean law. Mm-hmm. I remember thinking about that a lot when we watched Sus- Suspicious Partner and then also when we watched While You Were Sleeping. Um I wanted so desperately to have someone on that could be like, this is the, like, on our bonus or something, like, this is the law that they were talking about, and this is right. Or, like, this is Uh fuck wild. I don't know why they did this. (laughs) Oh, someday. If If you're a lawyer. Yeah, in Korea. And you, for some reason, are here. Korean law. You don't have to be in Korea. Yeah. If you studied Korean law, though. Um, and you you are, for some reason, listening to us try to figure out what's happening with Korean law, please reach out. We would absolutely love to just, like, interview you for a, any kind of bonus episode. Maybe it's a Patreon bonus. Maybe it's for everyone to listen to. But I would love to know more. You can do that at playonkpodcast at gmail.com. That's the easiest way to get in touch. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you can also uh, reach out through social media. Uh, we have a Twitter and an Instagram, and you can DM us and be like, hey, I know the law. And we will immediately find the time that we can all talk. Uh, it's at Play on K for Twitter and at Play on K podcast for Instagram. You can leave comments directly on the episodes on our websites that say, hey, I want to be on your podcast. (laughs) That's at playonk.com, where you can also find a link to our Patreon and sign up for our newsletter, or find links to our affiliates, NordVPN and Blueberry Podcasting. Yeah, you can find us on a lot of different podcasting platforms if you just want to keep listening to us and not... Uh, talk to us about Korean law. (laughs) (laughs) We're on Stitcher, Blueberry, iTunes, and Spotify, and maybe more somewhere. You know, who's to say? And on most of those places, you can rate, review, and subscribe, or at least one of those things, and anything you do helps us out immensely. If you want to support the podcast, you can find us on patreon.com slash playonk, where we have different tiers of support and different rewards rewards that's a rough (laughs) word for each tier uh that will unlock lots of bonus content and anything we do that's yeah bonus material for our podcast yeah um and i think that's just about it thanks for listening and catch us next week for the next four episodes of the guest okay bye okay bye (laughs) 